Thanks for making me look sort of fast and cutting back. I was running as fast as I could. I'm not a little bit better. But I mean, Dude, I almost pulled both of my hamstrings. Why you were hurting? Bro, I tried to get out in front of Homer and I felt him and he's, I'm like, oh. The nice block on Adrian's touchdown run. Can you take us through that play? Yeah, uh, he is probably wondering who I was because I haven't actually got to meet him yet. Uh, and I went over, I think, for one play of walkthrough on offense, and he kind of looked at me, and I didn't get a chance. I didn't want to introduce myself. Um, but uh, I was just glad to kind of help out any way I could to get him in the end zone because I think he, he passed somebody for uh, touchdown runs, uh, which was awesome because I'm really old, and he's even older. So... I, I remember watching him when I was in college, high school, all, all of that. And, you know, some guys were in elementary school watching him in the pros. So uh, a legend like that, you have a little extra. Welcome to you. the Pedestrian Podcast once more. Myself, Stuart Court, is here as ever with Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good. A strange recording time for us, but I think uh, more than worth it. Uh, for, for the reason that we're, we're, we're chopping it up at this time today. Yeah, uh, this week we have a special guest, his first career catch was courtesy of Tim Tebow, and he's a man who's been a Chippewa, a Jet, a 49er, a Lion, and since 2019, a Seahawk, linebacker, fullback, special teams captain, and core member of the Seattle Seahawks special teams. And also this year, he delved into being a chat show host on over on social media and YouTube as well. Delighted to welcome Seahawk Nick Ballore to the Pedestrian Podcast. How are we, sir? Guys, thanks for having me on. I know it's... Uh... It's tough. You guys normally nap at 4 p.m. Okay. I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad I could uh, squeeze in uh, the schedule here and uh, glad to be on. Yeah, Adam, do I get yeah, I mean, the foodie? Look, we, I, we always try and start with the most serious question because, you know, we, we've got to set the stall out properly. And I was doing some research on you and I saw a tweet that you made from a place called O'Kelly's, a restaurant which seemingly in your college town, right? This is serious stuff now. Right, right, right. And they have a Nick Balor burger. Do you remember the toppings on this burger? And I'm going to give you the chance to change it because I, I think we, we can improve on this. Uh, I know it can be improved because this was put in uh, after I left campus. And I don't think there's anything from what I remember on it that I would personally order on a burger, if I remember correctly, because I... I think one of some of my boys that were still there after I left were like, oh, they uh, named a burger after you. And that's obviously <laughs> the pinnacle of any. I mean, that is my crowning achievement. Um, so I was excited, but then I was a little distraught. I was like, I don't even. First of all, I'd look like a fucking tool if I actually ordered. The thing at the <laughs> they would have no idea who I am anyway. So they'd be like, oh, whatever. But uh, if anyone caught me, that would be embarrassing. But I think it was. There, there was like blue cheese, something mm. else. Sauteed mushrooms, blue cheese, sauteed mushrooms, lettuce, and tomato. I just I mean, think, I think it's disrespectful to, you know, a 10 year NFL veteran, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like I should. I because I, you should go Larry know, David on them and try and change, change the name of your own sandwich, I think. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, Larry wouldn't have that. I, and I try to kind of model my life after him. So it's, uh, uh, I think. I don't know what I would do on mine. I would definitely take pretty much everything off. I don't need the uh, lettuce and tomato on there. I know that could be unpopular, but I don't like having a salad with my burger. So uh, it would probably be like, I don't know what I would put on it. Maybe bacon, a fried egg, maybe. Um, I don't mind the mushrooms, but besides that, I'm probably, you know, wiping it clean there. So. 
Yes. I don't think that's more than acceptable. I'm, I'm pleased that we're when you know that I was a bit worried that I was going to like you know crushing your favorite things here with blue cheese and mushrooms. So I'm pretty pleased. No, we no, crushed no. I, I, I was, I was, I was a little uh, distraught when I first saw it. Like, <laughs> that would be nothing that I would ever even consider. But I, what, yeah, I wasn't consulted at all on that. But it, <laughs> it was nice to have it nonetheless. But I was like, shit, that's not exactly what I would go for. Yeah, I think was dog dog tweeted that he sprays butter on his pot tarts. I think that was the first that was the first thing that come, which is just I don't understand that one either. Uh, the biggest no. re- uh, revelation from that is for our listeners that we actually do research for these podcasts. So that's uh, that's uh, clearly the esteem we hold you in when you come on when you say you want to come on, Nick. But doing all that, I found a video of an uh, interview with your parents between before one of the. Um, the Packers games. Um, he said that you, you played on the first football team on your at your high school. That seems like a bit of a strange thing just to come to school one day and there's a football team and a football field in the on the campus. Yeah, I don't I don't know where my dad came up with that. He must have been drinking all day, but uh, <laughs> I surely was not the first. But uh, it was kind of I remember them doing that. And I think he was talking about uh, my first uh, NFL touchdown. And it, I don't know if you saw this, but it's kind of funny. He was, I kind of like hinted at the fact that I might catch a ball uh, around the goal line in that game. And it was a random away game that he came to. Um, so he was like filming. I don't know why he needed to film it. Like there wouldn't be footage of it, but you know how people operate with that stuff. Uh, so he's filming it. And right as I kind of run to the, to the pylon, he drops the phone. So it was literally like <laughs> just the bottom of the seat and, you know, like went into his beer basically, but it kind of makes for a better video anyways. It'd be, <laughs> it's better to send that one than to like just show footage of me catching a ball. Like everyone can see on whatever, but uh yeah, no, it's, uh, that was actually a funny little story because he he was so excited to get the footage of it. I'm like, Dad, there's plenty of cameras here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just watch the thing. Yeah, your dad also said that you're someone who puts everything into what he does. Is that something that's really come to the fore and helped you go from uh, an undrafted guy to someone having a 10, 11, soon to be a 12-year NFL career? Yeah, I mean... Um... Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, I mean, I don't, um, I, I, it is what I do. And, and it's something that um, I realize that I'm not exactly, I mean, if you look at my mom or dad, you could probably, I, it wasn't exactly easy for me to get here. And I had to, you know, work at it and continually do no offense to them. But my dad was a golfer. My mom kind of was a, uh, a marathon runner. So it wasn't like uh, we were, uh, big football family by any means, but it was, uh, you know, it's something that, um, you know, I just don't know any other way because I knew that, uh, it was going to be kind of tough getting into the league undrafted. And then, um, you know, the league being what it is every year, I'm going to have to kind of prove myself in some years, you know, I, I, every year you feel like you're going to get cut. And I think that's ultimately, it doesn't always make your life enjoyable in the moment, but, uh, you know, I think it's what ultimately kind of continues to keep me going and keep me playing because I still enjoy it. And uh, uh, even though I'm like the old crabby guy now, but uh, <laughs> I still, you know, have fun and feel like I can semi relate with the young guys or at least they 
pretend like I can. So uh, they, uh, you know, I feel like I'm still kind of part of the crew. So on that, uh, KJ Wright was on the radio in Seattle last week, and he was saying that, you know, Pete Cowell just sat him down one day and said, we haven't got a role for you anymore in the team. And this is like a 10-year guaranteed Ring of Honor guy. I'm sure there's probably 500 to 1,000 KJ Wright jerseys at every home game. Um, You have to live through this every year, and there's so much shit that goes on in the off-season. I mean, for some people, the off-season is their season, Um, you know, with the drama and the draft and the free agency – do you get to a stage where you can just fuck it? Like we'll just take it as it comes. And, and has that, has that got easier as you've done more years and got a bit older? Yeah. I mean, I think it's gotten easier um, or at least I pretend like it does, but you know, every year, I mean, it's funny because you get the same questions. It's like, yes, I've, you know, had good years and been playing well, blah, 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 blah. But uh, I always have buddies be like, Oh, are you excited for the draft? I'm like, fuck, no, I'm not excited for that. But why would I be, why would I be excited for the draft? And it's like, you try to paint the picture to them. It's like, well, if you had a job and then, uh, you know, you just see guys lining up to interview for your job every year, it's not like a super enjoyable thing. I mean, I, I don't, uh, and also it's like, I think, uh, some guys get too wrapped up in kind of what's going on. I think if everyone kind of worries about like what they're doing to make the team better, everything gets better. It's like, I have no control over who's going to get drafted or um, who's going to get traded or who we're going to trade for. And ultimately it doesn't really matter. All that matters is I'm preparing myself to be as good as I can be for the team when the season comes. And it sounds like kind of a cliche thing, but it's like, I don't have, I mean, obviously I'm not, I have a part on the team. It's not a massive, massive, massive role, but um, me doing what I do the best I can do is the only thing I can do to help the team. And me worrying about which, you know, whatever position we draft is meaningless. Mm -hmm. And luckily there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of fullbacks that get drafted. So that's nice because I don't have to, (laughs) it's kind of a niche thing. So I don't have to worry about that too much. And then, you're like oh, a guy that plays linebacker and fullback. It's like, okay, that's even a little bit smaller <laughs> group and then plays special teams. I'm like, okay. So that helps a little bit being kind of a, uh, uh, almost like an obsolete position guy because, uh, you know, you don't, you know, if they, if they draft one, then, you know, you're really fucked because you're like, ah, <laughs> you get a, you get a guy in there that really knows what he's doing at either one of those positions that I'm screwed. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always kind of, it's kind of fun now that I'm older to look at it from like the outside. Like I don't, I'm not on the outside, but just, I don't, I don't care. Like whatever happens is going to happen. And you realize you don't have control over that stuff. And I've been at places where guys have gotten drafted at my position and it's like, well, you do get like this thing that kind of kicks on where you, you start to see red and you're like, all right, this is, (laughs) you know, if we want to, if I want to keep this thing going, I gotta, you know, kick it up a notch. But, um, yeah. I mean, even if something like that happens, it's just added motivation and um, you know, it's, it's never kind of, I mean, it's obviously a cutthroat league and all that stuff, but even in the midst of like competition amongst guys to make a team or whatever, I never feel like it's really that. I feel like it could be a lot more um, tense than it is, if that makes sense. But yeah. because ultimately it's really, you or him or, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. So, 
uh, it just kind of comes down to, um, you know, performing your best. And I realize that the only thing you can control is how you perform, but that those thoughts always creep into your head in terms of, you know, Oh, are they going to keep this many guys or this many of this position? And, and that's where it gets weird because it's not like always a one linebacker for one linebacker. It could be, they're keeping someone over here they keep someone over here on and on and on. So, hmm. but those are, uh, I'm not smart enough to know all those decisions. So I just have to try to play good football, I guess. Yeah. Um, as I said, in the intro, before you got to Seattle, you played a few different spots around the league uh, with obviously different quarterbacks. Two in particular, I just want to quickly touch on one is in Matt Stafford. He's obviously played in the, the big game of the weekend, Super Bowl, his home, new home stadium down in LA. It seems almost universal with Matt Stafford that every, anyone he plays with or has come across, like Aaron Rodgers, he's always raving about him on his weekly Pat McAfee bits as well, that he does, he's someone who deserves and is overdue the stage he's going to get this weekend. Is that something you echo on when you were with him, the Lions number nine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Matt is an awesome dude and, and one of my favorite guys that I've ever uh, played with, um, just in terms of you can't – I mean, how tough he is and how much work he puts in and finally uh, getting the shot to – uh, really make something happen uh, with the Rams. Obviously, I hate them because he plays for the Rams and all that <laughs> stuff. And I hope they lose and all those good things. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it couldn't happen to a better guy. And, and, and I don't say that much because I always am like, ah, whatever, I don't, don't care. But it is, he's very deserving of it. And uh, I'm super excited to see him get the opportunity, especially, you know, in their home stadium, which is, which is pretty cool. You know, obviously – we're all bummed that we're not uh, in the hunt or, you know, but, you know, things kind of happen like that every once in a while. And yeah. um, I think, uh, you know, he's done a tremendous job kind of stepping in there and really taking off. Yeah. And another one is uh, San Francisco, where you were down there, you were played with Colin Kaepernick. Obviously his uh, career and his abilities have been shunted through somewhat of a prism, depending which side of uh, the of the R you take on the stance he took. Is that something you saw in him in the locker room and like you weren't surprised by the, 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 the stances and the social justice um, work he's done since like since 2017 to 2018? Yeah. I mean, I was just with him for a brief time and I think, um, you know, I guess however you view uh, what he did, I think uh, the biggest thing is like for us in America, I mean, that's, that's part of being American, I guess, is having your uh, opinion on things and being able to do, um, you know, because if we were to make everyone kneel for the anthem or make everyone stand, then we're no better than anybody. You know, I mean, that's what uh, we're about is, you know, kind of the freedom of choice. And, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of it internally kind of gets overshadowed. I mean, we were like really bad when I was there, which, you know, I always like, I always worry that they'll look back on, I was glad to make the playoffs with the Seahawks because before, I mean, obviously with the lions, we're going to be fucking terrible <laughs> with the, uh, with the jets, they were coming off back to back, uh, AFC championship games. And then I get there, uh, and then we were pretty bad too. And then we go, then I go to San Fran, same thing, bad again. So I'm worried that like when they go back, some analytics guy will be like, 
there's some variable here that's fucking these things <laughs> up, and I don't know what it is. So hopefully, uh, I've tried to write the ship in Seattle, and I think we've done all right. But it's, uh, but I was like a little worried. I'm like, do I need to like burn sage in my house? Or something? <laughs> What's going on? Because there was, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be amazing. We're going to the Super Bowl first year. Both both of my first teams I went to, and then uh, you know it didn't go that way, and then finally being able to play in a playoff game with uh, Seattle, I think was awesome. And, uh, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do in Seattle, but uh, I think we got the guys to do it and kind of uh, regroup for next year. On that, um, a lot of players talk about, you know, once they've bounced around the league for a bit and they end up settling in Seattle, that there's just a different culture. You know, certainly, you know, they've been a winning team for 10 years and coming off some, you know, some all-time great performances and records. And I'm sure some of it is a bit of bluster for, for the media. And yeah, I'm so pleased to be here. Best fans in the world, blah, blah, blah. But anecdotally, is there anything you can think of that is indicative for, for us that, you know, we're not in there, that we could we could get an appreciation of why the Seahawk culture is is seemingly or spoken about being as being slightly different? Right. I mean, it, 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 tr- it truly is. And, uh, you know, I'm not... Um... Well, obviously I'm being paid by them, but this, I would say this, you know, if I was somewhere else or whatever, but I, I'm just glad that I got to see Seattle later in my career than early, because I feel like if you were to go the other way, it would be pretty miserable from Mm -hmm. the places that I've been Uh, because, and I always like stress it to the young guys, like they have no idea how much better it is than anywhere else. And, um, and even, and it's a good thing also, but it's like, we had a, a, you know, this past season was bad and, you know, a lot of people are, you know, it was kind of, especially the players was kind of shocking because it's never been like that. And obviously I've been through complete just shit shows year after year. So I was well accustomed to it, but it's a, it's a good thing ultimately that they were, everyone was like, what the fuck is going on? Because um, it just doesn't happen. And the expectation is there, but I think, what you were talking about, I think the biggest thing is uh, Pete lets us be ourselves and like, I can be kind of a goof and say weird shit in the locker room or in meetings. And we do, we keep it light. I think, um, uh, I think football ultimately is usually not that enjoyable of a sport overall. I mean, you have, you know, pain and injuries and it's uh, people getting cut and, and it's it's pretty ruthless and it's not like um golfing or something so it's the the moments of it being enjoyable i think are kind of when you play well it's great when you don't it's about as bad as it gets um but i think uh being able to stay consistent and i think uh and it starts you know from pete uh in keeping things light i think is great because it's tough enough to go through a season, especially the season like we had last year. And if you compound that with just misery, I think it, um, you know, obviously none of us were happy to be in the situation we were last year, but I think um, there's, there's times where you can kind of bring, you know, a little light to the situation and, and kind of try to keep guys uh, engaged. I think Pete is a master of doing that because I mean, it's, it's enjoyable. I never call it like going into work because it's, I don't even play fucking football. It's not going, I go into the facility and, and he keeps it, he keeps it, uh, you know, 
and enjoyable from week one of preseason all the way to the end of the season, which is rare because usually it just is like, like a death March at some point during the season. And, um, you know, I don't know how he does it, how he remains so consistent, has so much energy and does all that. But I think that kind of just trickles down to all the coaches and then to all the players. And um, I think players get it pretty quick. Uh, a lot of places you have to be kind of buttoned up and, you know, kind of fit a mold or whatever. But I think in Seattle, we're kind of able to do, um, you know, not whatever we want, but it's way and you sometimes you wonder initially how it, how it's going to work because you're like there's no like there's no talking about like rules or this or that but the, no one breaks any or there's no rules to be broken but it's not like I think when you give ultimately men the opportunity to act like men they usually do it and if they don't then they're not on the team so mm-hmm. I, I do like that because I think a lot of the NFL is kind of like babysitting and it's like you know at a certain point, no matter how talented you are, like you just can't, you can't deal with that stuff. And usually those guys weed themselves out of uh, the NFL. So it's, um, it, I can't say enough about how enjoyable it is on a daily, uh, just all the, the goofy shit we do in the locker room. And like we <laughs> shoot baskets all the time and Pete's always, uh, you know, messing around. And we got coaches that mess around, I'll mess around. And, and it's kind of just nonstop action once you get into the facility. Yeah. Um, after, after those starts, obviously when you got to Seattle, it was uh, Ken Norton Jr. was your defensive coordinator. And then obviously, what was that like playing for KJ? Because again, KJ with Mike and Chris and Seahawks man-to-man just raved about him, about the impact, not as a player, only as a player, but off the field. What was it like to play for someone with his history, with his with, with everything that Ken Norton Jr. has done, coaching and playing in the NFL? particularly for yourself with, with obviously as a linebacker. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting because when I, uh, first got to Seattle, I was strictly doing, uh, fullback stuff. And then, uh, when, uh, BBK went down in the preseason, they kind of moved me over. They knew, I mean, they knew I'd played linebacker in the past, obviously. Um, and, the funniest thing is being like, if you play offense, this is anywhere. Like if you play offense, you're with the offense, you have very little interaction with the defensive side and, and vice versa. So I would just see coach Norton from the outside looking in and I'm like, I was like, I'm fucking terrified of this guy. Plus I'm like, <laughs> dad, dad knocked out Ali. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to think about this dude. He's always seemed like he was angry and like straight face and stuff. And then once I, once I went to the defensive side, I realized he's almost always trolling and he's kind of almost exactly like I am where he's, he's uh, you know, he's serious when he needs to be, but he's making jokes all the time, but he doesn't, he never breaks. So you never really know. I mean, I, I knew and I would kind of start like laughing when he would say something. And I think uh, that might've blown up his spot a little bit because usually when he could get away with like saying something without anybody really noticing, I, I felt like, I mean, I had to learn the playbook, but my, my second, my second thing was kind of figuring him out. So that was, that was really fun kind of going back and forth with him and, uh, uh, he uh, he's an awesome dude. It was it was kind of awkward though because uh, I would make I would make fun of uh, well me and Tyler Lockett do a presentation before away games and uh, 
it's kind of free form and they've been doing it for years. And then, um, Pete asked if I would do it with Lockett this year. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And I just ended up making fun of everybody all the time, uh, which really had no bearing on what the presentation was actually supposed to be, but <laughs> he asked me to do it. So I was like, fuck, I'll, I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And, uh, coach Norton, uh, notoriously wears like suits that look like, um, like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like the nineties, like NBA draft pick suits with like 10 buttons and like, mm. so he'll, he'll wear shit like that and think it's going to just, I mean, he makes it look decent. I'll give him that. But I, I was like, I'm not letting this stand. So I photoshopped <laughs> his, photoshopped his face on a bunch of the NBA draft picks, like suits. And I was like, Oh, this is Kenny Norton jr. Going to all the games and all that stuff. And he like, he just stared at me from up in the, like there wasn't a whole lot of laughter, but, uh, but then it would be awkward because then we'd go on the road trips and we, you know, you get off the plane, you get on the bus, you get to the hotel, everyone's picking up the room key and there's just a backup, um, for, uh, the elevators. And I would always end up like standing next to him and he, I would be looking over at him and see him in these suits and he would like, try not to laugh. And I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm like, I, I felt bad, but it's like, well, fuck, you're wearing it. And I didn't tell you to wear it. <laughs> but it, it, it would happen like almost on like every single time I'd end up right next to him and I'd be looking at him and he would like smile. I'd smile back at him and shit. he'd have his Kangle hat on with like a 10 button suit. And I would always, it, always, uh, it always would crack me up. You've uh, been very self-deprecating about your performance, which is clearly your way and you know, get a great amount of humor out of that or whatever. But we had a bit on the pod basically in your first season that Nick Ballore is jerseyable because you, you were flashing enough. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, if, if we can get hands on a Nick Ballore jersey, we can do it. And there's special team plays and you have a touchdown for the Seahawks. If I could put a GoPro on your helmet for one play that you've made in Seattle, that's like etched on your brain. Can you talk us through it? Like huddle to execution to whacking blitz on the head for celebrating or like is there anything particular that you that stands out it's like yeah that was uh that was my hall of fame moment highlight reel for for seattle um i don't know i mean you know there's just so many yeah you said that's <laughs> there's just so many to go through uh yeah it's all kind of a for show that i do that i just have to pretend to be uh humble all the time. no um I don't know. I, I do think it was pretty cool um, uh, when we got Adrian Peterson and getting the block for them, mm -hmm. for him because uh, we were there. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah talk us through that one. Uh, it was, so it's kind of a shit show because uh, we obviously don't use a fullback much and um, I'm either so hopped up on caffeine and, and Tylenol that I don't like know what's going on half the game, but I'm like, I'll, I'll go into a game and have like five or 10 plays that they could possibly call a fullback. But like, I usually am screwing around on the sideline talking shit to somebody or whatever. So I, but I have to kind of uh, pay attention for them to call. Like they could they call it once a game, like call my number to go in my personnel group for the play. And, uh, but luckily um, I was, I knew like when we got around the goal line, that that we would have a play in there um 
I think we had a pass play for me to score a touchdown. So selfishly, I wanted to fuck up the block for him. So then I could get, because usually it's like, <laughs> oh, if the run gets stuffed, then they'll, they'll throw the ball to me. So, uh, and then, so I gathered kind of by the, uh, well, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I, I literally had not really met him yet. Um, I mean, he, he had got there and I'm, I, I play, to anybody that is coming in, I mean, he wouldn't know who I was anyways, but it's like, I was for all intents and purposes, a linebacker. So like during the week, if he got there like on a Thursday or something, I'm like practicing at linebacker. He just sees some random white dude, linebacker screwing around on scout team and doing special teams. He's like, I don't know who this fucking guy is. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I'm not going to go up to him and be like, Hey, you know, like he's, he's trying to learn his shit. He doesn't need to fucking hear me yapping or whatever. So I'm like, all right, here we go. And I, I didn't know anything about his record that he tied or passed. Uh, mm. I didn't know any of that stuff, but they called the goal line personnel that I go in at. And I'm like, well, fuck, here we go. And, uh, you know, it was lucky. Um, it, it worked out great. Like you, you hear the play and you kind of can envision in your head, but it's so fast. You're like, all right, here we go. And you don't really have time to think. And I've realized that usually that's, plays go better when you're not thinking much. So your brain's pretty much blank. And I'm like, well, shit, here we go. So we run it uh, to the left. And luckily I had like Josh Norman or some little dude out on the <laughs> edge that I could kind of throw around. Uh, I didn't actually have to block anybody uh, substantial, which was nice. Um, but he he got in and, uh, and then I kind of panicked because I was like, fuck, uh, I want him to kind of, because I hate when I didn't know if he was going to dance or do some shit. And I'm like, I don't, I hate when like O-Lyman hug the running back when they're in the middle of trying to do some celebration and they just kind of fuck it all up. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll leave him be. And then he turned towards me. I'm like, shit, we're probably going to jump up in the air. I'm like, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> and, uh, and then I thought he was going to dap me up. That didn't happen. Then he jumped. So then I jump late. I'm like, fuck, that was bad. So then I just, Plus, I, I'm exhausted from one play anyway, so I then think, I just bolted uh, back for kickoff. Uh, you were mic'd up that uh, game for the Seahawks. You, I think your exact words, uh, AP's an asshole. He, he made me jump. I think I think I got off a phone book off the ground, I think is what you said. Yeah, I, mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I like to say I play below the rim, so it's, uh, <laughs> luckily I don't have to go up and get many uh, footballs. But, um, yeah, I mean, it... Uh, it was fun and kind of – it was even cooler uh, finding out that it – you know, he got that record and, um, you know, it was uh, it was fun because he's probably like, who the hell was that that just came in? Because he was pretty well acquainted with most of the offensive guys. They're like, who the fuck is that guy? So that was kind of fun and uh, I think it makes it even kind of cooler the little random tidbits about it because it was just kind of such a random quick play and it was it was cool to do it. Um, you mentioned obviously talking about a proper legend there. And I think I speak for Stu and say that we we discussed quite a lot that obviously we're 10 years, five years removed from like the the Super Bowl winning team and the and the the, the skeleton of that roster, but it still feels like a bit of a hangover from from that. And for me, it's largely because most of the players ended up leaving sort of cloak and dagger in the middle of the night, and we never really got a chance to see them off. But one guy, obviously, that did come back from a true legendary perspective was Beast Mode in 2019. I mean, he just seemed to galvanize a city, 
a region and nothing more so than on the sidelines. Like when he scored that touchdown, obviously they fucked up him scoring the touchdown at the last minute, which would have been just, I still think we'd, we'd, we'd still be celebrating. But yeah. what was that like? Like having him come back and like kind of putting a bow on on his time in Seattle? Because we, we haven't really got that with many of the legends that have left. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, I, I, I don't know. He was there for five weeks maybe when I was there. And uh, he's like, just, he leaves a mark. Like he's one of the coolest dudes I've ever, I mean, I've played with, uh, I mean, I'm old now. So like I played with LaDainian Tomlinson and with the Jets and like, you know, running back legends like that, but there's no one that even comes close to especially like everything all encompassing personality, everything Mm -hmm. at uh, Marshawn. And it was, I mean, I just remember being like, I wanted him to like me so bad. (laughs) And then, and that's another one where it's like, I've played in the NFL for a long time, but it's not like I'm some household name or he would have any idea who I was. So I remember he was in the running back room the first day he got in there and he sits down next to me. We have like two, um, two person tables all around. And I'm like, shit here. I'm like, all right, I gotta be, I, I, I don't know what I gotta do, but I gotta, I gotta be cool. He's like, he's like, what's up, man. What's your name? I'm like, I'm like, Nick, what's yours. And he's like, Oh, Marshawn. And like, it's a joke. And he's, uh, he's like, you, you play. I go, yeah. Do you? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he like daps me up. I'm like, all right, that was a good, that was a good start. And, uh, but this is kind of a funny, uh, a funny little thing. So on Fridays, the rookies, we make them get donuts and uh, they usually just put them in the running back room. I'll go in there, smash like three of them and get out of there before anyone has any idea what's going on. Go to a special teams meeting. There's no one ever in there. So this would have been the first Friday Marshawn was there. And I go up to the running back door and I see the lights are on. I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? So, and we had signed Robert Turbin too. So, uh, uh, because we had a bunch of injuries at that point. So I cracked the door open and Chad Morton, our running back coach is doing a full presentation. All the running backs are in there and I did, I didn't have to be in there. So I, I was like, not worried about that, but I opened the door, kind of closed it. I'm like, okay, Mike, the donuts are in the far corner. I'm like, I think this is where I established my street credibility with Marshawn. So I, I didn't even think about it. I burst open the door and I have a good relationship with Chad too, but, but Marshawn doesn't know Marshawn thinks I'm supposed to be in the meeting and I come in late or whatever. So I opened the door. I'm like, what I'm like, just completely interrupt Chad. I'm like, what, what the fuck is up guys? And Marshawn just sits back in his chair and looks at me like I'm crazy. And I, I walk right past Chad, grab two donuts, start eating one. I'm like, you guys meeting or something. And Chad like looks at me like pissed off. Marshawn's just looking at me like this, shaking his head. And I look at Marshawn, I go, man, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Walk out, slam the door. Sure enough, like right before practice, he thinks I was like supposed to be in there. And I just told Chad to fuck himself. And and I was, (laughs) so he like comes up to me. He's like, that was crazy, man. You were just talking bad to Chad. You just walked out of his fucking meeting. That's amazing. And he like dapped me up. I'm like, yeah, man, that's, that's what I do. I, you know, I uh, do what I want around here. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's unbelievable. And I never told him to this day that I had no business being in that meeting anyways. But <laughs> I was more than fine with him thinking that I'm some fucking badass or something I'm like, yeah, dude, that'd be the fucking meeting. And he's like, he's like, me neither, man. I, I wanted to get out too. I was like, dude, just do it next time. 
He's like, that was amazing. And he was telling everybody, he's like, Nick's fucking crazy, man. He's walking out of the dad's meeting. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm crazy. <laughs> um, what, what, one of those guys from those, those teams who's still around is Bobby Wagner. And um, we've had Mike Dugar and Ben Arthur both tell us that he is an elite level shit talker. Is, is, yeah. is, is, that, is that accurate from your experience with uh, Bobby? Yeah, I think I think he's up there. I think um, uh, I I would say that I entering the linebacker room gave him a run for his money, and then also uh, I mean he's he's definitely up there. I think Marshawn was far and away. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like it is kind of crazy. Like he, I, I can't say enough about Marshawn. He was there for like three weeks, and I have like ten funny ass stories. <laughs> Like he was, we were playing, uh, we were playing, uh, maybe I forget where, if it was home or away, but I'm walking on the sideline and I hear, I hear like music, like faint music. I'm like, what is that? And I'm looking over and Marshawn's like this and his hat's like this. I'm like, what is he doing? And, uh, I just figured he was eating Skittles or whatever. And I was like, I, I look, he's got his phone in his hat on the sideline playing music. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? I'm like, you can definitely get a headphone contract if that's what you're worried about. I'm like, you can, you can wear anything. I'm like, why are you, but that's, I guess he always does it that way. He like listen to music and he would just have the phone pressed to his ear stuck in his, his beanie during the game. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? But that's just like something that only he would do that. You would like, you'd be like, Oh, that's completely normal. That's just, this him being him but yeah bobby it was fun being with bobby because he um it, it's a lot of young guys in the linebacker room and uh those guys obviously have to get made fun of just because they're inherently younger than us uh so i i feel like bobby and i made a good team of of uh you know talking shit in the linebacker room and then more broadly in in the defensive meeting room so i that was that was a fun uh a fun experience this year and obviously besides how he is, how great he is as a player and all that stuff to see that is uh, firsthand was really cool. There's obviously something about uh, the Seahawk fullback position and niche social media, um, you know, videos and film, because you probably are aware of the Real Mike Rob report that was legendary kind of in uh, the formative years of Russell Wilson and, and this Seahawk team's career. And then yeah, you say it was a bad year last year, but you genuinely brightened a lot of our, our weeks with uh, the between two Belors thing. Firstly, how did that come about? And secondly, your relationship with DK has really blossomed on that. Is it difficult to have respect for a guy that wants to have ranch dressing with calamari? Yeah, I don't. Well, first we have to address that. I don't know, but but the funniest thing about the 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 ranch and calamari, I mean, it is absurd. It's outrageous. It's, not, it's, it's outrageous. not a thing. But he. Uh, but what I laughed is like I think he tweeted after that that it's like it's crazy how many people don't like ranch. It's like saying uh, like. Uh, not serving ice cream with pizza is a crime. And then people <laughs> saying that's absurd and being like, it's crazy how many people don't like pizza. It's like, it's not a, it doesn't like compute. So that was absurd. We moved past that, I think, but uh, it was, uh, it was fun doing it. The, the kind of the media team had the idea and I always love between two ferns with Zach Galifianakis. I was like one of my favorite things. And uh, I enjoy like, I mean, I, I try never to like actually like laugh at the stuff and um, 
it was it was really fun doing that. It was kind of interesting because DK's episode is the only one that I sort of prepped for. The other three we did back to back to back, just um, like a, a random day, and I kind of just winged it. So it was kind of interesting to see which one turned out better. Um, and it was like I don't know, it's fun. I mean, I make fun of guys all the time, anyways, and they make fun of me. So it was kind of like, ah, oh, we might as well do it. Um, uh, it would be fun to do it outside of the, uh, well, being employed and, uh, you know, in the realm of the Seahawks, because there's a lot of good ones that, uh, didn't quite make it and probably for good reason, but, um, but it's, uh, it's fun too. And it's, it made me feel really old. It's like none of those guys had ever seen any of those between two ferns. And I, I realized that I'm like, even though I'm, you know, well, I'm 32, but the, like, even like if, if like there's a five-year age gap, like the stuff that those guys haven't seen that I've seen is like, is crazy. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of funny because a lot of the guys had no idea like what that it was supposed to be like and how I was going to act. So it was like genuine, like with Diggs and Dixon and Barton, they had no idea like how that, I think Dixon kind of knows a little bit because he's, kind of into comedy stuff like I am but uh he he those guys really didn't know how it was supposed to kind of transpire and I think even like some of the people that watched it probably have no idea they're like that was painfully awkward (laughs) that's what I was going for but yeah the the uh the DK one was fun and I was worried too because it's like sometimes you need to riff off of what they say and sometimes it works better if they just completely shut down, which he did a couple of times. So it was kind of, it was fun to see how they kind of turned out between the two, but uh, yeah, it was fun. Hopefully kind of keep doing those. I've got some, I have to kind of think of who else I would have on there. I mean, there's so many, there'd be so many good, I mean, it'd be hilarious to have like Pete or Russ on there, but but I also want to keep my job. So I got <laughs> that's what I was remembering when I was like thinking about jokes and stuff. It's like, well, fuck, I'm not getting paid to do this. And it's like, I really gained nothing from doing this. So I got to kind of tread lightly here because it's like, I don't know. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's like, I don't want to, uh, you know, lose my job because of uh, some joke I made to one of the guys, but it was, it was fun. Hopefully yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, it, it, as Adam said, it was one of the bright spots of the week during some of the down weeks for Seahawks this year. Um, as I said, you're mic'd up for that 49ers game. And in a clip of it, I think you say to Colby that the 49ers fans do not like Nick Ballore. Um, Why? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just, well, I went in and played like a little bit at linebacker. And I was like, uh, I did okay we were shitty. The, it was a perfect storm. And, and plus uh, I was backing up Navarro Bowman, who's like a legend there. So it was like, they're not going to fu- fucking like me no matter what I do. <laughs> so it's like, um, but, but also it's like, it is funny. Like all the stuff that they aired on the mic up that I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like there, I mean, there was much worse stuff that I'm sure that doesn't get aired, but it's like, I mean, you know, obviously they have great fans too. And there's, people don't like me there, but I was like, I always felt like I was like, ah, no matter what I do, they won't like me. So whatever, but, um, you know, I'm in Seattle now. So. Yeah. And, and, and a lot happened in that game. Obviously the fake punt kind of woke the entire stadium up. Um, have your hamstrings recovered from 
keeping up with Travis? Yeah, I, I uh, barely. Uh, <laughs> that was that was like the most overspeed trading I've ever done. I don't know how I managed to semi look like I was running with them because Travis can, and Travis is a really weird like he'll. I don't know what his deal is, but he'll walk around on the sideline like he's torn both of his legs or they've been blown off or something. <laughs> and then he'll go out there and then just run like the fastest you've ever seen and most powerful and all that stuff. So he kind of, I don't know if he's like kind of doing a rope a dope or something, but I'm like, he'll walk around. We're like, is Travis hurt? And then he'll go out and do that. So uh, uh, to answer your question, barely um, I was plus uh, their returner basically like hit me in the head when I tried to block him, And I, like, I mean, I'm 32, so I'm, I'm on borrowed time anyway. So I, <laughs> I landed awkwardly. And I was like, Oh fuck. And then I just saw Homer get past me. I'm like, well, you know, it worked. It wasn't pretty, but uh, <laughs> that was a pretty cool play. I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen a fake punt go that far for a touchdown. It's gotta be close to, I mean, I can't imagine there's one much longer than that, but that was a pretty cool because that was early in the game too, if I remember. And um, yeah. it was uh I mean, what a what a fun game that was. Yeah, but also there's something with the mentality of you, of you guys on special teams because that game started with an ambulance on the field when one of their guys got injured. I mean, well, and then 20 seconds after the ambulance is off the field, you guys are just running in, into each other again. What is that? How, how do you like? Do you just put like adrenaline fueled blinkers on, or? How, yeah, how get- I mean, it, it's tough. It, obviously, you never want to see anything like that happen. Uh, we were glad that he's all right. Um, it, it's it's something you maybe try not to think about. The other one that was really bad is, you know, when Quandre went down and it's just like, it's just sickening. But it's, it unfortunately, it's part of the game. I think, um, I think what was kind of a wild one was, and I was, you know, telling my wife this, is the year before when we had no fans, if someone were to, if you guys were to be at the game, just you two sitting in the, the stands with no fans and no noise and hearing like what goes on, I, I told my wife, I'm like, there's no way you would let me play football if you heard the just complete gunshots that happen every single, uh, every single play. And that was even wild for me because you don't really, I mean, it, it, it's bizarre. It's like, uh, hearing stuff you've never heard before because it's always so loud, especially at home. Uh, but just like how violent some of the collisions are. I mean, it's, it's crazy to, to hear firsthand and I'll never forget that. I mean, like the COVID year where no one was at the games was pretty crazy because it was just like between that and then how silent it would be when um, I'm going to try to think about like little stuff, like, when we played the Patriots early in the year and Cam Newton had the ball basically to win the game and it's just dead silent in there. And then we stop them. And then it's all you can hear is just us screaming. It was, it was just, the whole thing was kind of crazy uh, and surreal almost because it was like, you're playing um, like a scrimmage or something in high school or it, it was, it was nuts. And it was like those, I didn't mind it, but then those times like that where you know how loud it would be, it was kind of crazy to think about. Like if the if the fans were here right now, this would be absolutely absurd. But like with the injuries and all that stuff, it's you know, you kind of get you think you get numb to it, and then you know it happens, and you're like, "Fuck that," you know. But 
um, you know, that's kind of the, the life we chose, I guess. So it's, it's part of the, part of the game, I suppose. When I was doing my research and found out the uh, O'Kelly's picture, I also stumbled across a tweet that 23-year-old Nick Ballore made on the 4th of April, 2013. And it said, so this is April. It said, is it football season yet? With about four exclamation marks. Something tells me that 32-year-old Nick Ballore on the 4th of August isn't going to be that excited for football season to come back around. No, no, absolutely not. I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I probably thought that the, the coaches uh, gauged playing time on how excited you seem. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's embarrassing. Uh, I don't know why I would ever say anything like that because um, it's kind of uh, it's it, this is kind of a funny thing. So like when I would have tweeted that, uh, it reminds me of like when we have OTAs in the off season and the first like three weeks, uh, like we're there for like two hours a day. It's just glorified babysitting, really. And young guys will be there till like six at night, and it's like. <laughs> I, I used to be that guy because you think like if I, you know, watch, you know, this, this, and this, and then go in the cold tub and the hot tub and, and do this, this, and this, uh, I'll definitely be a starter, you know, or whatever, or I'll definitely make a team. And it's like, the sentiment is, is there like, it, you know, you got to work hard and all that stuff. And I, I keep pretty strict like training hours when I'm home working out, but it's like, some guys are different, but for me, it's like, I'm either training or it's football and like nowhere in between. And like when I'm, I train very hard right now, but I don't like think of like football. I'm just trying to like get as fast and as strong as I can in the time that we have. And then it starts. But uh, for us, like a good line of demarcation would be like the 4th of July. Once the 4th of July hits, depression sets in for <laughs> training camp and you're like oh fuck here we go it's just like this this like uh i don't know it's like this speeding train that you have to hop on and then hop off so it's uh um it's obviously like a love hate thing i mean i love playing football and it's amazing but that initial like i don't know the, august is always awful so i always say like when i'm done with football that'll be amazing because every August since I was 10 years old has been absolute fucking misery, hot weather, running and getting in condition and all this stuff. Um, so I will enjoy that when I'm done, but not for a couple of years here, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know why I would ever tweet anything like that because I sure as fuck didn't meet it. Even back then I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to uh, get in someone's good graces there. So that's embarrassing. Uh, obviously, in 2022, sports and social media with 24-hour news cycles everywhere. It's it's a bit it's it's a bit of a dilutive for things. But you seem to be someone who embraces that when you have you have players who vanity search their own names and things. But you you post photoshops of both teams losing. You post only fans comments to DK Metcalf. Obviously, you got two between two balls as well. Is that just something that is a part of you that you can enjoy it and like, or or what well, some well, others do get in trouble with it? Uh, and like how they who they who they unfollow or follow in uh yeah i mean i i think i think all of it's kind of like stupid so i don't i like <laughs> trying to make fun of it wherever i can and um you know there's a lot of stuff that are saved in my drafts that i wish i could post but i'm like yeah <laughs> i gotta but um yeah i mean i i love making fun of like dk will just tweet preposterous shit and uh, <laughs> i make fun of quandre all the time because he always is like 
uh, he'll like live tweet games and, and I'll always screenshot. I'll be like, someone needs to take his phone away from him during these games. And it's not even like he's drunk either. He's just tweeting. And I'm like, no one, no one cares what, but, uh, no, if I, if I think of something funny, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm always sending photoshops to guys on the team and we have like a couple of group chats going. So that's always fun. But then, you know, if I think it's, you know, semi street legal, I'll put it on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the guys just bring it on themselves. I mean, the shit that DK says, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make fun of them. And then the only fans thing I, I was pretty, I was pretty happy with myself on that tweet just because of the wordplay of it. I'm like, you know, that's, uh, I, I was I was happy with how that one turned out, but he uh, he's he's a good sport, and we like always joke all the time about that. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's fun, and I like to. I don't take it too serious. I just uh, you know use it like most people do, just to creep on other people and make fun of them behind their back. That's kind of uh, my favorite thing with it. You know what I mean? I'm uh, conscious of your time, so lo- last quick one from me. I mentioned you know Nick Bellow being jerseyable. The one issue that I've got is that. Number 44. I mean, this is a 12-year veteran we're talking about now. Special teams captain. We got, you know, we've discussed the Hall of Fame real plays. We're blowing up people for Travis Homer, Adrian Peterson. Someone's got to be giving you one of these elite numbers for, you know, you can have any number you want now. I think it's time to, you know, upgrade ourselves. I know. I I try not to I get so annoyed at the young guys. Like we had uh we had a uh a practice squad player this year, like the day before the game asked to change his number and the equipment guys are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was just thinking to myself, like how I'm like, I would never, I would, I wouldn't do that now. I wouldn't do that. Like if I was anybody on a team and it's like, I guess that's the one thing that's remained consistent is like, some guys are like super weird about their numbers. I've like the amount of money guys pay for numbers. And like, even, I mean, well, that, that you guys are like this. So when I when I played for the Jets, um, I was a rookie and I was driving like some shitty. It was an old Ford Explorer, and uh, one of the guys had a. I'll leave names out just for tax purposes. This is probably <laughs> uh, but uh, but um, we had a a D end uh, the year before uh, a famous D end wanted his number. He was going to play for one year and retire. And there was another guy that had that number who was like a 10-year vet with the Jets. He's like, I want your number for the year. I'm going to give you an F-150 pickup truck loaded and 50,000 bucks or something like that. And uh, the guy's like, well, sure. The truck had changed hands like four times. And I was like, I need to get a new car. But I was like mortified to spend money. I mean, I think I'm going to get cut every week. I have a bad game. I'm like, I'm fucking gone. So I can't be spending any money. And I asked the guy whose truck it was. I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah, that, that truck's sick. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you want it? I'm like, uh, he, he sold it to me for $30,000, which is probably like, it was 10 times more money than I'd ever spent on anything. And I was, but it was probably worth triple that at the time. And I'm like, he's like, the only thing is though, I don't want you to pay me all at once because I don't want my wife to see all that money come into the account. So I want you to pay me five grand every six months. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, all right, sold. I get the car. So I got this car a year later after a guy had given it to a guy brand new, it had like 5,000 miles on it for the guy's number. And it had changed hands in the locker room. It the title hadn't even been like really 
signed over. So I had all these issues getting it like legally mine because it was like four people removed and it just had been <laughs> passed through the locker room. And I was like, I drove it for a hundred thousand miles and traded it in for more than I bought it for. That was like, it was this weird locker room, like back alley dealing that I did. And, uh, I was like, this is so crazy that people do that over numbers, but I will say I would consider like, if I kind of had an idea that some like huge free agent was going to come into town, I would try to poach their number before they get there. And, but, but ultimately like, I don't give a shit like what number I wear, but some guys are very superstitious. I would say that I'm, I'm superstitious that I'm not superstitious if that makes sense. So I'm like, I'll just, whatever number they give me, I'll, uh, you know, because I was like, it was, well, this is another thing with the jets is Rex Ryan was a coach and, he called me and he probably thought, I don't know why he thought I'd be like a guy that like really cared what number he's like, you come here, you can wear whatever number you want. I'm like, can I wear 43? Because I was some dumb, that was my college number. He goes, yeah, yeah. So I get there and I, they put me in 43. And then I realized during the season, that was like preseason. Once the season started, I had to be in a fifties number. So he <laughs> kind of just like swindled me into that Jersey, but, but yeah, some guys take it very seriously and they, uh, <clears throat> And like guys will be like, can I change numbers? And that's like a logistical nightmare for the equipment guys. And then you compound that if it's like a famous dude and he's got all these jerseys and all that shit. So that's a whole another thing. But we've talked about it, but I, I don't know that I would ever change it. But yeah, 44, it could be worse, but it could be definitely better, I would say. Yeah, um, we, we have a Patreon for this podcast. We have a few of our guys um, sending some questions. Dan wants to know if you prefer to be the ball carrier or the tackler in the Oklahoma drill. Ooh, uh, definitely the tackler. I, uh, I had a couple practices where I had to play running back in camp just because we had nobody there. And it's like, it's fucking awful getting hit with the, when you're holding the ball, it's hard to hold onto the ball when you get hit. Um, and I had no idea what I'm doing. So definitely tackling, I would say. <laughs> uh, and also if you see yourself retiring as a Seahawk. Yeah, I would love, I don't, I don't really want to go anywhere else it's uh it doesn't get better um nick wants to know who's more authentic you or decay metcalf uh oof. uh that's tough um <laughs> the uh you gotta give it to him i suppose i've always <laughs> wondered i always um i'm a pretty awful athlete all things considered in especially in that world i'd say like if you get me in in a bar, I'm probably top tier athlete compared to most guys, but you get into the uh, NFL locker room, I'm, uh, you know, bottom of the totem pole. And Dave, uh, obviously you play, you spent a lot of time on guessing with Michael Dixon, who's Australian, uh, Aussie rules and everything, but has he taught you about cricket yet? Which obviously is a big sport over here as well. Yeah, no, I, uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I should, I try to, because I played with a couple of rugby guys uh, through the years um, uh, with the Jets, it was um, Hayden Smith, and he played for Saracens. I think they're they're in yeah. So I don't I don't think he's playing anymore. But I kind of got accustomed to that. And then you realize how big of a sport that is uh, overseas, and you know it's starting to get popular in the states. But um, like we would go out in New York, and there'd be guys that recognize him from rugby, not from playing football, and it's pretty pretty crazy in that that respect. But no. Uh, no cricket, no cricket talk yet. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, 
he he's uh i always try to because he played aussie rules football or something like that yeah, too, yeah. so that I, is I, mental it's absolutely yeah, insane. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I don't think I could go for that. I used to think like if I if my football career got cut short, I'd I'd not that, but like want to play rugby overseas. But that ship sailed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> last uh, last quick one from me. So we try and uh, yeah, we try and make this a bit of a chainmail situation. And um, is there a we, we always try and get our, our guest to, to get us our next guest, maybe from the team, someone that we can uh, you know chop up with? Is there anyone that you can think of on the current team that we might be able to snare? Uh, for an hour, you know, expand their international audience to six more people over in the UK on, on a <laughs> yeah. good day. Um, I mean, I'll you have to help us. You have to help us get them as well. You know, this no, is. I, uh, I you know, know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to trying to think where my my uh, your sphere of influence. Exactly. I mean, I, I'll do my best on Quandre. Uh, he's uh, he loves he loves uh, hearing himself talk. So that he'll be. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, and I I was gonna joke with you guys. I was I was a little nervous getting on with you guys because I remember my wife and I went to we're in London and then went to Italy a couple of years ago, and I could understand guys in the Italian airports ten times better than Heathrow. <laughs> like, I I hope I I can uh, pick up what these guys are putting down because I remember being in Heathrow. I'm like, what the fuck did that guy just like it was going through security or whatever. Well, I, I still can't understand the word that Stuart says, so that's pretty impressive if you managed to get through all of that. Yeah, Stuart, you have your moments, but I, I, I got most of it. I, I, under, I, was, I was getting it. But yeah, that was, I always tell people that. I'm like, yeah, I, I understood uh, gibberish Italian way better than whatever. <laughs> was, so. uh, uh, we had Jeff Reinbold, who is a special teams coach up in the CFL last week, and we asked him, obviously, special teams. He's, he, we, the w- one thing he wanted us to say to you is next time you see Mo Kelly is to give him a big hug from Jeff Reinbold who played for him I think in Edmonton in like the mid-90s I will Mo's the man he's like the the guy in the shadows for the organization <laughs> that kind of does does everything but you don't if you were to if you were to ask me what he does I'm like I don't really know but he kind of has his hand in everything with the Seahawks he's great dude Awesome. Uh, obviously, most people listening obviously probably already do follow you on social media and everything. But if if there are a few who don't and they're missing out on obviously everything, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, where can people find you during the off season as you uh, prepare for July fourth? Yeah. No. Uh, the uh, social media wise, you can find me in the replies of like uh, Andre <laughs> and DK making fun of them. Uh, I don't do a whole lot on Instagram. I'll post a picture of my son every once in a while now that he's kind of running around and he's a terrorist. So, uh, <laughs> but besides that, I, I'm pretty low key. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to fire one off at the Super Bowl. That's funny. I got to think of something, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, uh, I just, I just little, little things here and there <laughs> just to, uh, let people know I'm still there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, like we keep saying, we massively appreciate you taking the time to jump on with, with us too. Obviously um, time to unwind and not talk to two idiots like myself and Adam. So yeah, we do massively appreciate you jumping on. If people want to get involved, you can patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and all the usual means and methods to listen and get in touch and get involved. Uh, until next time though, this has been the pedestrian podcast. Oh,